G'day. We hope you're enjoying our podcast. Producing a podcast is costly, both time and money. If you'd like to show your support and offer a one-off payment, even the price of a coffee or a beer, that'd be greatly appreciated and would go a long way to support us. If you'd like to leave a donation, head to the show notes of this episode and click on the ACAST supporter link. Be sure to leave your message of support too. Thanks again. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The thoughts and opinions shared in this podcast are just that. It's up to the listener to decide what is true and what is not true. This podcast talks about domestic violence and death. It contains adult themes and coarse language. If you need help or you are affected by such issues, you can contact your nearest help centre, such as Lifeline on 131114 or DV Connect on 1800 811 811. Discretion is advised. G'day guys, I'm Jamie Poltz and this has been In Valley Road, Episode 8, The Eyes Either Side. I wanted to clarify a few things that Alison mentioned to me from Sean's conversation on episode 7. It was the 18th of July 2014 that Nikki, the neighbour, who is Damo and Sean's mother, took her down to the Gold Coast University Hospital. It wasn't the 17th of July. And Sean also mentions that he took care out for her 27th birthday, which is the 13th of April. Jason got out of jail on Anzac Day which is the 25th of April. I hope that clears some things up for you guys. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to two people who lived either side of Kira during the time that she was with Jason and, more importantly, on the 16th of July, 2014. One person is obviously Damo, Damien. Now, Damo is Sean's brother, who you heard from last episode. He was only 15 at the time when this all happened. However, he was actually there that night, and from where he was standing... He heard and even saw some things leading up to the event and also that night. So he makes for a pretty interesting, compelling witness. And the other person I'm going to call Evelyn. Now, you'll hear me when I was driving out there, I was going to call her Helen. But when I told her I'd change her name if she likes, she requested Evelyn. So it's not Helen, it's Evelyn, but that's actually not her real name anyway. And where she sits on a daily basis, she actually looks at Kira's house. And you can see clearly the house, the back stairs and the little gazebo area and even the sheds. And on that night, she could see things happening. She could hear things happening. The sound does travel. And also the way she summarizes Kira's relationship with Jason was was really informative for me. I hadn't heard someone explain it that way. And it filled in some of the gaps for me because she lived next door to Kira while she was married with the kids. So I think her account is very useful. So these two people are quite literally the eyes either side. Well, also the ears, but you can't have that in the title. You can't have the eyes and ears either side. It's too long. So I had to pick one of them. So the eyes. Anyway, you have a listen for yourself. Yeah, 
It's the 14th of September, 2019. It's Saturday morning. It's about 8 o'clock. Another beautiful day, sunny, and I'm back in Woolvi. I'm just about to turn onto Beanham Valley Road to go and meet with someone who used to live next door to Kira. So I will call her Helen. Alright, so I've just arrived. You can hear those dogs yapping, so let's hope that's not going to be a problem for the recording, but I seem to be cursed with dogs yapping and background noise, but anyway, here we go. Evelyn's house is an old blockhouse. It's set on a big 15-acre block. There's a dam on the property, a few trees, a few sheds, and one single horse roaming around. Evelyn tells me it's her last one. I notice there's two deck chairs sitting out for us, and she invites me to sit down. Before we press record, she gives me the brief version of her life story and how she came to be where she is. She's had a few health dramas lately, so she's put the place up for sale, hoping to move closer to town, just in case. She tells me she's nearly 80, She's wearing a blue floral dress so with, uh, with a brown cardigan on top and black shoes. So the steady chirping of the birds in the trees nearby added a certain charm to our conversation. And it was good because it kind of made up for the sporadic dog barking, which I really tried to minimise. Hi, I'm Evelyn. Um, I think over the years, the family that lived beside me were a very happy, loving family husband and wife, four little children. And about, oh, be six years, about six years ago, um, the wife, Kira, moved, she worked at a farm nearby, like, for a part-time. And during the time working at a neighbourly farm, she come in contact and met a chap called... And that was the turkey farm? Yes, I think it was there, yeah. or yes, that area. Yeah. And after that, sometime after that, she decided to ask her husband to leave. He had to leave the home. He was a good father, a good husband, and wonderful to the children. But... Kira had met someone else she wanted in her life. And then within a month or so, she moved the new partner into the house. And he lived there. He was there all the time. He lived there. During this time, things were going all right for a few months. But after a few months, it started to get hostile, um... He was very, um, started to bully, bully her, he'd push her, he would hit her, 
He'd done damaging things. There was unusual things happening, like one incident, there was a dead dog hanging on the front patio that frightened the kids. Nobody knows how it got there, but it was something very frightening. Weird things were happening. And this is something that these are things that you saw or you heard, or did Kira um, confide in you? Oh, she confided in me, and the kids told me, and also the neighbour on the other side, their daughter, actually seen it because she came over to dress, help dress the children for school when Kira wasn't well. It was Damien's sister that actually seen this. It all happened. There was a caravan there that belonged to Kira's mother. And the new partner was insistent that she sell it or sell it to the wreckers because he wanted money uh, for things that he wanted to do. But it wasn't his to sell or smash or, you know. It belonged to Kira's mother. And that caused a big round, massive, massive fights almost every afternoon. And when the children weren't there, it was a lot worse the day that all this come worse, um, it was late afternoon. They were down were down the back at the uh, gazebo behind the house. And you can see that clearly and from I your house. And I can see it clearly from where I'm sitting right here on the corner of my house. It looks like it's about 300 metres. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, sorry about that bark. Evelyn actually breeds dogs. There's not really any escaping it. I did my best, but sorry. If they were at the table, I could hear the loud arguing, the loud fighting. And the next thing, later on, when she got up to go up the stairs, he was right behind her. But actually, I could see him belting or hitting into her back. This was something I had seen many times. They went into the house. So and this all is daylight. This is daylight hours. Yes, yes. Yep. It was late afternoon, yep. almost on dusk, but I could see really well. But also, they'd flicked the lights on then, and I could still see them in the lights. It was the back patio area. Going up the stairs, he was physically, physically cruel towards her. When they went inside, I could hear noises or like. Very loud bumping or noises. I thought it could have been furniture or a fight. Now, that went on for a long time. It went on over a couple of... It was over an hour and a half, couple of hours. It went on for a long time. Yep. Then later on, it was dark by this time, and later on, I noticed a car drive out. Okay. A car drove away later on. Yep. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't think any more of it because it's happened so many times. I would say it probably would be at least every second day of the week. And it was very hard. I often had the little children sent over to my patio here to sit on the patio where I would give them something to eat and, and, you know, bring them inside and look after them. I'd done that many, many times. And then the next morning... The next morning early, it was around the time the school bus come. That would have been around that quarter to eight, ten to eight time. Right. The school bus is coming past. I was taking off to go to, I was going to go to Nambour because I had the cancer test. Okay. But as I'm going, 
a car come back in, a small car come back in. It pulled up. It looked to me like a man and woman hopped out. Okay. It looked to me like that, right? Can you remember the colour or shape I'm of the car? I'm not sure, but it could have been a little white one. It could have been. I'm not sure. Okay. It was a small car because it come and was faced towards this way, right in front of the house, and they both went up inside. They were there, would have been a good half hour or a bit more, like I'm getting ready and getting the car ready and coming in and out. So it was probably that time. And then I'm just backing up and I'm coming down the road towards there and it left. Okay. It come for a period of time but come back with another person and then it left. And when it got to the corner, it turned left because I was coming out by then. I was going to go right to Nambour. So to rewind that, you were pulling out and you saw a white car, what looked like to be a man and a woman hopping out of the car. Yeah. And then hop, go inside the house. Spend some time. Look, I don't know the exact yeah. time, but yeah. spend some time. Yep. Then as I'm, I was getting my car packed up to go yep. to Nambour, went up. And as I'm going down, they come out just before me, went to the corner, turned left like heading Gimby yep. Way. Yep. So they I came and left. right, right? Yep. So then in the afternoon when I come home, it was sort of later afternoon, then I was advised and told about the ambulance had come. Yep. The ambulance had come. <laughs> that would have been sort of like a mid-afternoon. Yeah. The ambulance had come and I didn't sort of hear too much from that, but the next Later on, or it might have been the next morning, I got a visitor from our Gimpy detectives. Okay, yeah. Yeah. There is a lot more in between that. There was many months of physical, physical, physical torture. The children were here many times with me, and Kira, being a good mother herself, sent them here for protection. She knew that I would feed them and look mm. after them. But that happened many, many times. And you said that you you could often see this from your oh, yes. from where we're sitting right yes. now, which I can clearly they, see yes, as well. Yeah. Yes, this would every time they'd fight, it had been normally start at the back. I could see it. Yeah, it was that. That's the reason I thought she was all right that night. It was happening all the time. Yeah, you know, okay. it was just so sad. It was just so sad. But she didn't deserve to to suffer like that. But it was more like a an animal anger that he would, you know, he would belt her, like, belt her all over the body. And the stuff you saw and she oh, would tell you. Well, mm. yes, mm. yes, yes. You know, I'm just glad I was here to help the little kids, but they many times they come to me on the patio. Okay. Yeah. And do you remember that night that you said that you saw him um, belting her up the backside oh, of the head? Oh, yes. Do you remember if that was, I know the date, but do you remember the date? It was... Early in them, oh, no, I wouldn't remember yeah. the date now. I'm, look, I'm nearly 80. <laughs> right. It was the 16th of July, 2014. Yes, it was that yeah. before or, or around them school holiday time. Yeah. It was around that time, but I was here. I'm here every night at that and at several times a week this happened. I'm just sorry that I'm not the type to go over and butt in because it was help happening all the time. Yeah. But Kira had made several complaints to our local police station. He had been jailed many times for this. She had asked him for those couple months before this happened, she had asked him to leave. She wanted him to go. She wanted... The ex-husband. 
I'm going to censor his name. Come back and help her look after the kids. She told me that personally herself. She wanted him to go and he wouldn't go. He threatened her. He threatened her life. He threatened her. And he told her if any of her neighbours butted in, he'd threaten them too. So that's why everyone in the area, well, a few in the area have been threatened. If anyone butted in. So she personally told you that oh, yes. she wanted him gone? She wanted the fella the new gone. She had made a big mistake, but he was threatening her life if she did. That's when he went ahead and organised the caravan business. Mm-hmm. To be sold, yeah. To be sold so he could have the money for that. And it wasn't his to sell. No. He used to threaten her if she told anybody, they told anybody he lived there when he wanted to make believe he lived with his sister in town. This is all what she told me. Okay. But he was there all the time. He was there every day of the week. Mm-hmm. And did he ever, did you meet him? Oh, yes. Yep. Yes. He would come over here. He would walk around my paddock here. He'd sometimes, she had a couple of sheep or a couple of animals and he would come and get the animals and go back. The time the two police ladies come, they found him hiding from them on the other side of my dam here in front of the house. He'd done something naughty. They'd come out to get him and couldn't find him. But they, I beckoned to them beckoned to him, so they went away. They went away. Right. But come back and Found him. located him. Right behind and, the, yes, the dam there. And as he was leaving and they pulled him, dragged him through that fence there up to their car, another girl had come down. And as he's leaving, he was threatening everybody. There was threatenings getting heard. But also there's a few other things that happened. Um, just trying to think now. That with Kira, I was just sorry that, you know, I didn't go in, but I think, oh, the, oh, there was no party. There was nobody else there that afternoon, that, the day of the 16th. Right. She was home. They were on their own. There was no party or other people there. She had, that, I had seen her that day. She'd come over, she'd come over, she wanted some, she wanted like oh, I don't know what it was. It was something that she was doing. Maybe it was crocheting wool or something. Um, she'd come across, but that was around just before lunch or after lunch. Nobody come for a party. There was no other people there. There was only him and her that I seen. Because that's interesting. Um, I spoke to Tamika, who is um, who I'm calling Jason for this story. Yes, his sister. She, I know what she did. She you know she came over that night with her young daughter and her niece, and at one point, uh, mother was there as well, and they were hanging out. And this is what I've been told by Tamika and um, and Nakoda and a few other people. Well, it sounds like a good cover story, doesn't it? I never seen another car or any other people there at all. Mm-hmm. Not at all. So you didn't, you didn't She hear. wasn't expecting anybody. There was just the massive big row and all that inside went on for some time and then one vehicle left. The next morning, a little vehicle come back with a man and woman and went in. Do you know what mum looks like? I know nothing about the family at all. Okay, I All I wondering. can tell you, him and Kira were there I never heard or seen another soul, and I'm right here. I would know. 
it's um, very, very strange to hear a story like that. Yeah, well, I just heard that there was four people there during the... Um, so there was... I got told by Tamika that she was there, her brother was there, um, her mother, her daughter, who, who was two years old, and her 16-year-old niece. And then they were there only till about 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night inside when they were having... She had a fight with Kira. She admitted to me having a fight with Kira. And then she got picked up at about that time on the road and they all left and then came back got dropped off back there at about I don't, know, don't remember the time but it was you know between 9 and 11 type thing at night and you don't recall that that happening no no way okay no way no oh. way i know that you got a group of people saying that yeah no way no way that's very interesting that is a very... There's always three sides of stories, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And families stick together. Hmm. When someone's, someone's, you know, in the spotlight like that, families th stick together. All I can tell you is what was happening to Kira, genuinely happened to poor Kira. Hmm. I'm the only person next door here that she come to. And I did what I could. I minded the children, but I'm grateful the children weren't there this night. Yes. They had this massive fight. It all went quiet and that one car left. And that was at, during dark? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. The lights. See my window? I open them curtains. That's my bed. I can look from bed to there. Yep. I don't have to come out here. No. I can look straight from my... This big window follows the whole back. But when it went dead and quiet, I just noticed one little car drove off. Yeah. There was an, not any sign of another person there whatsoever. I don't care what anyone... So you could just see the headlights or taillights yes. driving off, yeah. Seen, the, seen them turn around and then the taillights, and that is exactly what I seen. And it was dead quiet then right through till that next morning when I was getting the car loaded... I seen a car come in with two people, a man, woman, weren't there that long, and then they left. Yep. It's like as if someone was coming back to check and then they went again. Very interesting. You can see how close I am here. There's no mistaking. I could actually hear the voices. I could hear them yelling. I could hear the abuse and the arguments. What kind of dialogue did you hear? Did you hear any... The argument was all about wanting him to go. She wanted him to leave. She was trying to kick him out. He and that wouldn't was that night? Go. Yes, yes, yes. And you heard those yes, words? Yes, yes. She said... The ex-husband. She was a better, fa better father to my children. She said, I want... The ex-husband. Back, I want you to leave. Those are the very words. Oh, yes. This was constant. This was going on for about a month before she was wanting him to go. And you heard it that night? Oh, yes. What oh, was, yes. What was his response to that? Well, she that, was doing, saying all this. Yeah. But his response, all I could see was when she'd say this, he would physically attack her, physically. Bash or slap or hit or shake. I could see it. I could see them. And this night? Yes, yes. And it's like from where you're sitting, there's only one or two trees in between you oh, and Oh, they the... weren't there then. That's This is six, five, six years, five years ago. Five years ago, yeah. So there's no trees. There's no so... trees. It is a clear view right through. Yeah, so over 300 metres roughly. Yep. Voices carry. Yep. It was clear. Yes. 
So was there anything else you'd like to say, Evelyn? No, I just would like, I would like the truth to come out. The truth hasn't been told. There's people covering up. I, I think in my heart people are covering up. There's cover-up here. I just think the truth should come out. Hmm. Well, again, Evelyn, I'd like to thank you for your time and your willingness to speak with me and share the information that you had. Yes, thank you. So, thank you very much. Okay, so I'm just taking a photo. I'm sitting at the fence, taking a photo of Kira's old house. It's about 300 metres. You can clearly see everything. So this is what Evelyn would have been looking at. I can see some people in the backyard there, a couple of dogs. I can clearly see the house, the back stairs, a little gazebo thing, and the backyard, and some animals. And for anyone who's probably doubting Evelyn's eyesight from 300 metres being nearly 80 years old, this is what she had to say when I asked her that question. Uh, for the last six years, I've had perfect vision. I've had cataract operations and laser treatment, and now I've got 100% vision. I see very clearly, so anything that I'm telling you on this um, talk is not the lack of eyesight, and I've got very good hearing. So yeah. <laughs> I'll just let you know, even though I'm elderly, I have no problem with eyesight or hearing. Well, okay, well, that put a spanner in the works, that story. Um, Evelyn doesn't recall seeing anybody or hearing anybody else there apart from, well, Jason and Kira. And she has a view from her house. It is quite possible that she might not have seen the people or heard the people. Um, I really don't know. I wasn't there, but it's going to take some further look, some further investigation or dig a little deeper, I think. Okay, so that was my conversation with Evelyn, and you can see why I kept it all in because it was so relevant and it really did clear some things up for me, just the basis of their relationship and the dynamics of it um, from someone who was witnessing it every day. Let's sink our teeth into what Damo had to say. Uh, um, hi, I'm Damien Grady. Uh, I live in Caloundra. I'm 21 and I used to live in Gympie. How would you describe Kira? What kind of person was uh, she? Super energetic. She was always happy, um, cheerful. She had a really good vibe. And uh, she did love her wine was definitely one of the favourites. But no, most of the time I was always with her. She was always happy, always smiling and laughing. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So what kind of a relationship did you guys have? Just like a... Um, oh, no, we were pretty good friends. I used to go over there quite a bit. I'd look after the kids, play with them. Uh... Yeah, I used to do me, Sean, and my little sister Crystal. We used to go over there all the time. And what do you remember about? Uh... Well, most of the encounters that I had with him were pretty friendly. Like it was all he always tried to be fairly nice to me. But whenever it wasn't a direct me and him encounter, it was always pretty. He was usually pretty violent in some way or another. Uh, he used to stand. At our fence, screaming out for Sean, usually when he wasn't home. Somehow he always knew when he wasn't home he'd come over and start yelling out. But uh, one time when I was over there, I was with um, another, oh, I think she was a babysitter sometimes, uh, Cassidy. I can't quite remember what her last name was, but she used to live out of Wallaby as well. Yeah, we were over there playing around with the kids, having a pretty good time. And oh, I think something sparked up about Sean having a relationship with Kira because he also – and he somehow overheard. He started getting real mad. He slammed the door and whatnot. And oh, probably five minutes later, he walked out of the bedroom screaming, yelling. They had a massive argument. Uh, he threw a few hits at her. I remember she threw on the TV. So me and Cassidy, we just grabbed the kids, got them out of there for a little while. And once they went went in and that sort of settled down, but I didn't go back in to see how the situation was. So you were there at this time? Yeah, I was over there when this was happening. And you saw, you physically saw who we're calling Jason? I didn't physically see him hitting her, but I could hear them in their bedroom in the closed door. Like, we were in the lounge room when it started happening. So I've um, spent most of the time trying to get the kids outside and away from it. So I didn't quite hear a lot of it, but uh, I heard sort of what happened afterwards. And and you saw Kira through a TV? No, no, but I got told that she did after it all happened by her. She threw the TV at him. So she does get a – she did get quite aggressive when they were having fights, but he was always over the top and he usually started them. So what sort of stuff would, would you have heard that night, like what kind of uh, dialogue? The night it happened or – Just that night you were talking about where – Oh, it was actually in the afternoon, but it all – like, there wasn't much – he didn't say much at all. Like, we could just tell he was angry from the closing the door. But us three, we were sitting there, like, laughing and whatnot, and he could sort of hear what it was about, I don't know, when he was walking around the house somewhere. So, yeah, he was just slamming the doors and just looking real pissed off. But you heard them arguing about Sean? No, I found out later that that was what – it was actually about. Okay. So um, what about that that night then? 
in, in July um, 2014. Do you remember the date? I do. I remember quite a bit of it. Uh, so I started off and it was sort of sundown-ish. I remember hearing arguments and whatnot coming from next door. Me and my mate were riding our push bikes around the front yard so we could hear a lot of what was going on. It was mostly quiet from what I could hear inside the house for the rest of the night. But later on in the night, I had to go down and get some firewood. So I went down to the shed and started chopping some shit up. And by that stage, it was well, it was very close to the end of the um, fighting and whatnot. It was really, really aggressive. There was shit smashing, um, bangs coming from all over the show, yelling, screaming. Uh, it went on for about oh, 15 minutes from what I could hear down the shed when I was doing what I was doing. Then it all went quiet. Was this when there was a gathering there? Like, was this when? No, this was way later at night. This would have been, I can't remember, but it would have been sometime past 9.30, 10 o'clock, sort of that. Okay, and your shed where you are, or sorry, their shed where where on Beanham Valley Road, Kira's house, their shed. Yep. Where are you in relation to that? Like how how yeah. close? How, how how do you reckon like meters uh, wise? So where I was standing in my shed, which is to the left of their property, if you're standing at the house and looking up at the road, or to the left, um, uh, from hit from the Bottom back shed that they have out the end on that left side, I'm about 30, 30 metres. And from the house itself, I'm about 45, 50 metres from where the veranda is and whatnot. So at 9.30 at night, it's fair to say that you could hear quite, yeah, a, quite a bit. I could, I could hear it well and truly. It was loud. There was shit there was something smashing all over the house. I could hear yelling and I could hear Kira screaming um, really badly. Like it was a painful scream. Could you hear any dialogue? I did. Um, after it all went quiet, it was quiet for about two minutes. Then I heard walk out to that bottom left shed. Right. So he, by that stage, he would have been 20 to 25 metres away from where I was standing. I heard him, I believe he was making a phone call because I couldn't hear any other voices and whatnot. He said, I fucked up, I'd done something, I don't know what to do about it. Then there was, I don't know, a couple of seconds while he was listening to someone to say something. And then it was like, okay, hung up. Then I heard what sounded like a car door closing and a car drove off. So you have no idea who you're speaking to? No, but I did later on see him at, oh, this was the next day at school. I remember Dad picked me up across the road and he told me that Kira had been taken away by two ambulances that day. And I was like, hmm, that's weird because I remember seeing sometime during school, like seeing their car parked across the road from Kimpy at one of the houses down there. That's that same location Sean was talking about. I'd seen him there a few times, so I recognised the car being down there. So I did I did later on think it was kind of strange that he was there 
after hearing that Kira had gone to the hospital. What kind of car was it? Um, it was the. I feel like it was the um, X Trail that they had. I know whether they still had that one then. You heard after this argument. I heard him on the phone talking to someone, saying that he'd done something bad, and he doesn't know what to do. I did, I wrote all that down in the statement I gave to the police. Just for our listeners. When you say you're 25 metres away at this stage, um, can you just, without giving away the location, can you sort of paint the picture of where their shed is in relation to Kira's house? Like how yep. far from the shed is it to the house type thing? All right. So from where I was standing, I was um, nearly at the fence line of where my shed is. So it was a sort of tiny, patchy little kind of garden going up, but I got pretty good visibility through that. Um, Their house is, well, the shed itself is about 25 to 30 metres to the right, but it's uh, probably five or six metres up above um, from where I was, if you can sort of see what I'm thinking. And how how far... how far is their shed, Kira's shed, from Kira's house? Um, the shed itself is probably only four to five metres at max from the house. And when you heard them going off, was it in the shed or the house or do you know? Um, it sounded loud enough to be the shed at one or two stages, but I think a lot of it did did it happen in the house? Yeah. Because like a lot of it sounded like the house, but there were a fair few stages where it sounded like tin getting smashed around. So it was about 9.30, you, you're guessing. Is that? Do you have any way of um, not proving? But... No, no, it would have been more towards the 10, I'm thinking, more towards 10. But I, I got no way to know for sure what time that actually was. It was just fairly late at night and I was about to go to bed and mum made me go down and chop up some firewood. So it would have been somewhere around the 10 o'clock. And do you remember on that night whether you heard a commotion or a gathering and then it go quiet for a bit and then it start up again? I definitely didn't hear a commotion. Um, I definitely don't know whether there was any sort of a party. I didn't hear any music, any... I didn't hear anything like that, but I did hear a bit of a commotion sort of towards sundown. Right. Whatever. Like I heard a bit of yelling and screaming. So did you see or hear a car come back um, to Kira's house and drop somebody off? No, um, I didn't see any car come back and drop anyone off. No. I wasn't outside looking. I heard that you might have heard somebody or... Jason. Um, I don't remember some sort of a phone call that day. Don't remember when it was. Like, I didn't remember it until people started talking about it. But I do remember um, Kira screaming out, go away, I don't love you anymore, I don't want to be with you. Like, I remember hearing her scream out those words. Right. And that, and you think that might have been that day? Um. Yeah. From later on, what I've... I 
I'm pretty sure it was that day. Like, I can't be 100% sure, but I don't think it was. From what I could piece together, that was the time um, she was on the phone to... The ex-husband. And he walked in. So you, you think it was that day or you, you don't think I it was do, that day? I'm pretty sure yeah. it was that day. Yeah. And how do you know he, he was on the, she was on the phone to her ex-husband? Um, I sort of just pieced that together from what I've heard so far. I didn't know at all at the time. You were at your house and yep. you think you heard that night um, in July 2014 that Kira saying, go away. I don't love you anymore. Yeah. And that Those was... exact words, I don't love you anymore. And that was directed to who we're calling Jason. Yeah. Where was Sean that night? I don't know where he was, but he wasn't at home. So he wouldn't have gone over there that night? No. Nah, um, I did go in and tell my mum that... Like, this time it sounded really bad. And she was like, no, no, it's just another argument. So I was like, mm, all right. So can you remember anything else about that argument, that that whole night? Did you did you think of anything or did you say, oh, yeah, shit, this sounds, this sounds bad in your head or anything like that? Yeah, no, I was thinking about it uh, most of the night. But I'd... Didn't really know or think about actually going to do something because it's not the first time it's happened. Like, lots of times they have arguments. Yeah. I just didn't realise how bad this one actually was. Oh, you were young, mate. You were young. Yeah. No, I do wish I hadn't gone and done something about it. But I later on just thought it was another argument that they were having. I would have listened to it for about 15 to 20 minutes that night when I was chopping up the firewood. But I don't know how long they were arguing beforehand. Both of them yelling or just? I heard Kira screaming. Yeah, I didn't, and it was, sorry, I didn't yeah. quite so much hear yelling that much. I could definitely hear Kira screaming, at least that I can remember. And then say, so what time did you go to bed, do you reckon? Um, probably quarter to 11, I'd say. Was it still noisy next door? No. It was silent. Um, uh, as soon as he um, finished that phone call, there was no noise. And then you went to bed? Yeah, I went. Like I told mum, I was like, yeah, I think this one's really bad, like, did you maybe want to go check it out? She's like, no, nah, there's no point calling the cops again because last time they came out, they couldn't really do anything about it. So mum's like, yeah, there's not much point. So you went to bed. When you woke up, well, did you hear anything at night? No, I didn't hear anything that night. But I do remember there being a white car there the next day when I was walking up to the bus, like a white Commodore or something similar to that. That white Commodore wasn't usually there? No. It was the first time I'd seen it there. You'd never seen that car there before? No. What time do you reckon that was? That was 
probably 7.30, quarter to 8 in the morning. And did you tell the police that? Yep. And what did they say about that? Um, I don't know. They did question me a few times about it. They're like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm pretty sure that I did see it. Like, I sort of, I was a little bit doubted after a while, but I was um, pretty intent that I did see it. And I'm pretty sure he did write down that. So it was a white Commodore. Was it a sedan, ute, wagon? Um, a sedan. I believe it was a Commodore. It was a white sedan, like some sort of a 2000 model-ish looking car. That was in the front yard um, where the park, where the cars normally get parked. Yep, so definitely on their yard. Yep. Okay. And do you know anybody who might drive that kind of a car? No idea. i got no idea. Did you hear yell out at any stage that night? Was he yelling out for, for Sean or for your dad or anything? like? Chunk? Not that night, no. Like, I can't remember him screaming or yelling out very much, like, at all that night except for when he was talking on the phone. So you definitely heard him on the phone saying? Yeah. I 100% did. I knew his voice very well. It was quite distinctive. What do you know about Um. But he's a grub. Hmm. Uh, I know that the cops were looking for him a few times. I know that he was busy wasting their money and starved most of the animals on the property. The kids were going with fuck all food for most of the time. What they did have came from um, uh, the food shop behind Vinny's, the food bank there. Yeah. Yeah. The whole time he was there, he didn't do anything for the property. He didn't really do anything for the kids. Not that I've seen at all. And had you met him or was it just like a... Um, I'd met him a few times, probably six or seven times. I've I seen him face to face. Like I was up close to him because like, I'd, I'd seen him walking probably 40, 50 metres away from me every now and then, but... Um, that was probably only six or seven times I was actually face-to-face with the guy. Yeah, right. So you go to school that day, you walk to school. Um, no, get, I get a bus walk to school. Up, I get on the bus, like at the front of my driveway. That's a uh, thing. It must have been just two buses back then um, in Gippie High. And then I remember sometime during the day uh, the car – um, that's all. That was always parked out of Kira's, sitting in the driveway there. Was that Kira's car or was that a car? No, it was Kira's car. Kira's car was that thing you think was an X-Trail? Yeah, I I can't remember whether it was the X-Trail I seen or the Pajero, but it was definitely the car that I always see Kira drive. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like this next trail. So you go to school and then you hear at some stage that Kira's been taken away by an ambulance. Um, yeah, I hear uh, that afternoon when Dad picks me up after school that Kira got taken away in two ambulances. And he told me that Rush um, was racing up his ass to get behind him 
because um, he left not long, long after the ambulances and he reckons raced up, um, took off beside him and was chasing down the ambulances. And I thought it was kind of weird because I remember seeing car earlier that day, but I don't know what time um, Dad was driving in and the ambulances were going. This was at 3 o'clock in the afternoon that um, I was talking to Dad. Did you know about Sean and Kira? I did. I didn't find out for a little while, but I did learn. Do you remember hearing Kira on the phone that night? I couldn't hear her on the phone. You're not aware of those phone calls that you heard in the podcast about her and her ex-husband? No, no. Um, I do believe that was the phone call that they were talking about, but I don't know that that was definitely a phone call. But that was definitely her screaming out because it sort of came out of nowhere. It was all quiet. There was just a massive big scream from her. And what was that scream? I don't love you anymore. I want to leave you. So when Damo said that last part, it definitely had my full attention because it was further supported by what Evelyn said that she had been told by Kira personally, plus conversations she had overheard and actions she had observed. She was under the impression that Kira was ready to leave Jason and had made a mistake by getting with him, had realised that mistake and was trying to get out. And it all might have come to a halt here in this night where they've had an audible fight. It was heard by Evelyn and Damo, and obviously it's gotten out of hand. Before I ended the conversation with Damien, he told me a few things that he remembers Kira by. Yeah, mostly from what I can remember about Kira is she had a massive heart. Like, she was so sweet. She loved her kids so much too. Like, they were literally her world. Most of the days were spent, I don't know, doing something from in one way or another. She'd usually spend an hour or two chilling out. When I'd come over, help her out, do some shit, play with the kids for a little while with most of the time when she got to chill, but no, she spent most of the time looking after the kids and she loved it. She loved them. So that was my conversation with Damien. And as a neighbour, he offered a lot of insight into what it was like living next to Jason and Kira and a lot of useful information there that's going to take a lot of unpacking. I hope it clarified some things for you guys because it certainly did for me. So this story is extremely complicated, and mainly because there has not been a formal resolution to it, and we still really don't know what happened. Sometimes I think I'm getting closer, and other times I feel like I'm further away than when I first started. Recently, I reached out to the police to see if they could provide a bit of clarity, at least an update on where things were at. The response I got was quite generic. That's to be expected, though. Because of the formal nature of proceedings, no one wants to colour outside the lines. But there are still missing pieces to this puzzle. I asked the following questions. What's the official procedure for referring matters to the coroner? Have the police re-interviewed anyone in relation to the case since the launch of the podcast or the announcement of an inquiry? And do you have anything you wish to say in relation to the matter? On the 9th of September, 2019... I got the following response. This is attributed to a QPS spokesperson. Investigating officers complete their investigation and compile a report outlining the investigation. The investigator makes recommendations. That report is then reviewed and forwarded through the chain of command to the coroner's unit. Although the matter has been referred to the coroner, this does not preclude investigators interviewing new witnesses, revisiting witnesses or key people in the investigation at any time if there is a need to do so. 
Inquiries in relation to this matter have continued since the launch of the podcast and will continue to be made in the future. No inquiries or re-interviews have been made as a direct result of the podcast. Anyone who has information relating to this investigation should contact Crime Stoppers, either anonymously or otherwise, to report what they know. That's it for this episode, guys. Thanks again for listening. And next episode, I'm on the hunt for the owner of that car. Bean and Valley Road is a 610 Media production. This episode was written, recorded and produced by myself, Jamie Poltz. It was mixed and mastered by Johnny Powell. Our theme song, Peace of Heaven, is by Pete Allen Music. You can find him on all social medias and download his music wherever you listen. Our cover art photo was taken by Joel Poltz. You can head to our website, www.610mediagroup.com to look at pictures and read our blogs. Also check us out on social media at Bean and Valley Road for Instagram and Bean and Valley Road for Facebook. And please guys, don't forget, give us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen. It really helps us out. So thanks again for listening guys and stay tuned. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.